I think a lot of people, progressive or not, kind of their eyes glaze when they hear the word reconciliation deal. What does that mean? Why is it important? What's in it? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, to me, and Jen and I were discussing this before the live stream, to me, put separate two things. The actual 3.5 reconciliation deal, which Colin, if you, if you have that uh, slide from last week, we could tell people what's in it. So the 3.5 uh, trillion reconciliation deal uh, is essentially uh, would be Biden. They say Biden. It's really Bernie's policies. But uh, Biden's big kahuna. Uh, the last thing he'll be able to get through uh, before complete gridlock uh, heading into the midterm elections. So in this proposed $3.5 trillion deal, uh, if you can go back to the first slide, Colin, uh, in this proposed uh, $3.5 trillion, uh, universal pre-K would be in there. Jen and I have talked about how important that is. Mm -hmm. free, co free community college, paid family leave, which we're one of the only countries that does not have that. Uh, expansion of the child tax credit, which could be up to $3,000 for uh, certain um, certain families, depending on, I think it's how many children you have, Jen? Um, what, the, the child tax credit? Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, depending on, I believe, income. So I, for example, I have two kids. We get uh, five, $500 uh, a month for that. Right. <laughs> So expand in a weird way. <laughs> so child tax credit, expanding that, uh, you know, $3,000 a year, $5,000 a year. It, that's not incremental for many families. That's substantial. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, expanding Medicare. So hearing, vision, um, hearing, vision, and dental. And by the way, I just went to the dentist this morning. I can tell you it's wildly expensive. It was $160. So uh, 80% electric power by 2030, affordable housing investment. There's several other things in there, but we just put in like the hallmark provisions. And, and, and they, I, they're still like adding and taking away things and revising. So, but this is the, the gist. Right. And Jen and I have already explained why we don't think this is incremental, although obviously we want more. Uh, what are, you know, Medicare for all things like that. I actually well, it's think not the, incremental in the way that people are using it as like a pejorative. <laughs> yes. Say. Like it is not radical overturn the system, but again, like we, we're not going to lie to you. We do not have the white house currently. We also don't have majorities in Congress. The best progressives can do is block bills, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so to get these things stacked on under a Republican president like Biden is a, is a pretty big deal. Uh, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean, you know, we have to have co in conjunction with that direct action for more, which is, you know, ec ec economic boycotts, things like that. In, in our view, we need to do more than two things at once. We need to fight for this and also fight for more. Uh, and the fight for more, we've already talked about over and over. We need mass economic boycotts in this country, which you can't do unless the left gets actually organized, which it's not now. So, that's well, I, I just want, want to say, too, one of the things that kind of made me stop and pause, like, OK, this isn't just another um, effort. This isn't just another bill is, is Bernie Sanders um, said that this is the most consequential, um, you know, bill of you know, since the 1930s. <laughs> so that really kind of makes you stop and realize this is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And, you know. There are people that could say, oh, it's incremental or, oh, it's it's nothing burger. Well, I mean, I don't know if those people are looking what's in it. Again, you could you could think multiple things. You could think, uh, no, we need Medicare for all. We need these things. I'm with you. But also, like, people saying that need to also answer, well, should we just shy away from any good things while we don't have the White House majorities in Congress? So to me, there's separate things here. The actual reconciliation deal, which... Jen and I have just pointed out why we think it's good. Um, and then the broader battle, because really underneath this reconciliation bill, bill, and whether it passes or it gets tanked, to me is really about the direction and future of the progressive movement in this country. Because right now, and we're gonna basically find out over the next week, we will find out if the progressives in Congress and everybody is a different, different, different definition of progressive these days. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking AOC, 
Pramila Jayapal, Ro Khanna, um, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Jamal Bowman, Corey Bush, Ayanna Presley, uh, Rashida, you know, the squad plus. Yeah. We're going to see if they actually are going to exert their power, actually are going to finally put a line in the sand, put their foot down and say, oh, no, yeah, no, neoliberalism, that's over now. If you don't go through us and you don't agree to our demands, we're going to shut this. You're, we're going to shut your agenda down. We're going to shut shit down. And that is currently the tussle right now. So if, if your eyes are getting glazed over or you don't know much or, or this is all complicated to you, let me just simplify it. And then we're going to play a few clips. Bottom line, because Democrats in the House only have really a three or four seat majority, uh, they could only really lose unless they get a ton of help from Republicans, meaning a lot of Republicans vote for the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Because, again, there's two things happening at once. You have the one point two trillion bipartisan infrastructure deal, which is really just a privatized abyss. It's really five hundred billion dollars in new money, which is not enough for our destroyed airports, uh, roads, bridges, all that. And it's mostly privatized. But for the only way that that's going to pass, if progressives carry out their threat of voting no, is if a lot of Republicans vote along with the Democrats who will vote yes. Right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So basically, progressives could tank Joe Biden's fetish, which is, <laughs> oh, this bipartisan infrastructure deal showing, you know, we could work together to screw you again, uh, meaning Democrats and Republicans uh, both vote on it. Uh, Democrats have been consistent. Jayapal has been consistent. Uh, the squad has been consistent. Uh, there's been a lot of response to that. Well, I'll see it when I believe it. Well, we're about a week away. So the time, whether, the, whether they're going to do it, is coming up. Um, right now, they're saying we will not vote. We, we, re we remain steadfast. We will not vote for this bipartisan infrastructure deal if we don't get the $3.5 reconciliation deal. And uh, I want to play a clip, Colin, if you have the clip from CNN. Uh, it starts with um, Manu Raji, Raju, Mani, I, I can't Manu Raju. <laughs> yeah, but if you could play this uh, clip, Colin. The moderate Democrats think you're bluffing on this, and that you guys will fall in line ultimately when this vote happens. They can, they can take that, they can take that bet if they want. I can, I can say that they're bluffing on how many Republicans are going to go with us. But even if they had that number of Republicans to go on the bipartisan bill. Um, we would still have enough votes to defeat it. Senator, progressives in the House are threatening to sink the infrastructure bill if the reconciliation bill is not passed both chambers by next Monday. Is that the right approach? Look, we had an agreement from the beginning, and that was that there would be one package. It might take multiple votes, but that one package would move forward. Look, I know that a lot of people would say, let's try to break this thing apart, take it in smaller bites. But the reality is, in the world of the filibuster, we get one bite at passing a lot of this through, and we cannot fail the American people. So a few things are amazing about this, Jen. I don't know how much TV or CNN you've been watching, but already the narrative is forming. Already the narrative is forming on CNN or MSNBC. Will progressives really block this? Will progressives really sabotage? I've heard sabotage. So we knew this was going to happen. Um, we knew this was going to happen in terms of the media making the progressives the terrorists if they block the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Of course, when Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema block things, they're just, you know, pragmatic centrists or whatever they like to call it. But also, Colin, if you could show the screenshot I sent you with uh, Jayapal. Uh, Jayapal has also said... Um, said Monday afternoon she feels very good about her whip count on Democrats voting to stop the infrastructure bill next week if the larger budget bill hasn't cleared the full Senate by then. Quote, it will not pass. I feel like in today's like progressive political space, it's really hard to get your hopes up. Uh, and people are very hesitant to do that. For example, I sent you a text. Um, I hadn't watched the video. All I saw was was a quote from um, from Elizabeth Warren and uh, um, I can't recall, I'm trying to um, get my phone yeah. to show me Elizabeth what text I sent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were you were texting about 
her in that clip what she meant yeah so so what i was um and, and just to be clear uh, i'm not i'm not lumping in elizabeth warren with the term progressive but go on oh of, of course of course but she had said um i don't know i can't find it but she she said something like this is our last chance to to get things through and because it was elizabeth warren i hadn't watched the video or seen much of the context i wrote jordan and was like well does this mean getting this is our last chance to get things through so we will give in or she's saying this is our last chance to get truly progressive uh policy and um so we will not give in and i said because i, I said i think it's the latter but it's elizabeth warren so yeah. i think a lot of people have that feeling have that sense of can we truly trust these people um and also why are they suddenly standing up um, obviously, it's what we want them to do, but it raises questions of, um, okay, is something good actually happening? But wait, why is why why are they suddenly taking a stand? And you know, there are different answers that we can get into and, and speculate about. But I understand people's hesitancy here. I am tentatively encouraged by this. Again, I'm not cheap dogging for them, telling you to love them. If they cave again, I will. I will be the first to go nuclear, but this is a lot better than preemptively surrendering, which has been what they've done. So Jayapal, that clip, basically telling the CNN stooge, uh, well, they could say what they want, but that's good. I like the sound of that. This next Rokana clip, I do not like. Colin, if you could play Democracy Now, Rokana on there. Maybe what most people don't realize, this three and a half trillion dollars is not gonna be spent this year. Thank you, Amy, for making that clarification. It is over 10 years. People don't talk about the fact that over those same 10 years, we're going to spend $7.5 trillion on defense. When they talk about defense, they use the one-year number. But when they're talking about social investments, human investments, they use the 10-year number. So this is $350 billion uh, over uh, the year. Uh, the other point that is worth making is that the progressives have been willing to have a conversation. Uh, we are willing uh, to engage in a dialogue with uh, the White House, with Senator Manchin, with Senator Sinema, of how we get this done. Uh, the question is, are they going to engage in that dialogue? We still haven't heard what Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema are for. They keep saying what they're against. What we want to know is, what are they for? So, Jen, mm -hmm. I have a lot to say on that. So you go first. Uh, I'm disappointed. You know, Ro Khanna has been great on so many issues. He is very extraordinarily wealthy uh, from his wife. Um, so that, of course, always deserves scrutiny and, and raises eyebrows. But for the most part, his votes are good and progressive. Um, back when I was work, uh, I was on the writing team of Justice Democrats and Brand New Congress um, way back when, way back when they first got started. And we had a Medicare for all um, thing <laughs> uh, in, in DC, um, trying to push Congress members to, you know, sign on to whatever bill was in play at that time. I can't recall. It was five years ago or something. Um, and Ro Khanna, and unfortunately, unfortunate what happened later, but John Conyers, Ro Khanna and, and uh, John Conyers were the only two who showed up uh, from Congress. So I've always kind of um, thought, okay, this guy means business. That wasn't a highly attended event by any means. Justice Dems was just getting started. I think we had less than 10 people show up. And they came out. There wasn't a ton of media. I think like Daniel Marins was there and he did a write-up later, but that's it. Uh, so it wasn't like a, a photo op. So I've always uh, thought that, you know, Ro Khanna is, is good. Like he means for, for, you know, out of our Congress members, Ro Khanna is, is a good one and can be swayed to be even more progressive. That's what I've, I felt about him. What he just said there I don't like because him saying, okay, we're willing to talk to 
the White House were willing to talk to other members with questions, not to me as a signal of we're willing to capitulate. We're willing to have some wiggle room. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It's not a strong stance at yeah. all. I'll be less diplomatic than you. And by the <laughs> way, I won't go into detail, but I happen to know Ro Khanna occasionally has not liked some of my tweets or whatever YouTube videos. So whatever. I'm not against him as a person, but he's a public servant and I'll politically give him a lashing if I choose. Um, but would love to interview you. Um, you're dealing with a political terrorist, Rokana. Joe Manchin is a political terrorist. So is Kristen Cinema, whatever the hell she is. Did you send me the link that she was a paid in, did an internship last yeah. summer as a if senator? We time, if we have time later, we'll pull it up. But yes, uh, Kristen Cinema, Kristen Cinema was a paid intern last summer. <laughs> like, Where uh, at a winery. At a winery. Oh, the, maybe the that's maybe that's why sense. she goes in front I don't know of Congress. She's a mom, but truest sense yeah. of wine mom. Maybe like, she was drunk when time. she went like clueless style and put her thumbs down. Uh, she's for... just the worst. I I really want to dig into her background. Like, how do you go from Green Party to that? <laughs> yeah. So, Ro, if you're watching, I don't want to hear about dialogue. We're willing to have dialogue. The bar was six trillion. Okay. Bernie put the bar at six trillion. There was a lot more in there for climate, which your California is on fire, not to mention drought, not to mention extreme temperatures. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand, and obviously this is just how he is. Ro Khanna's style is to be cordial, you know, talk about uh, negotiation, um, talk about we'll re have some dialogue, this and that. Where has that gotten you, Ro? Seriously. And I know, you know, it's easy for a YouTube host to say that, and I'm not in there, and I don't know everything. But where has this diplomacy gotten you? And let's extrapolate beyond Ro Khanna. Where has it gotten Pramila Jayapal? Where has it gotten AOC in the squad? Right? AOC has been diplomatic in a nauseating way, and she's been passed over for committees and other things. So what? when you say we're willing to have dialogue with Senator Manchin, on what? You know what he wants. The Intercept has reported it. I mean, The Intercept obtained audio of secret calls he had with donors, basically explaining to them what, what and what he was going to tank on behalf of those donors. You know what he wants. And that is, he doesn't actually want anything. It's all about what he's to stop. So when you say, well, they haven't told us what they're for, what they're for is nothing. Status quo maintaining the subsidies to coal and fossil fuckers. I don't know what Kristen Cinema is for other than, I mean, there's been video captured of Kristen Cinema talking to business owners in Arizona and basically in nice words saying, I'm here for you guys. So I don't understand why you think, Rokana, um, the best public position should be being cordial when A, you got the public on your side and they want you to fight. D.C. is not real life. Outside of D.C., outside of CNN, they people think Joe Manchin is the political arsonist, not you guys. So I think, and Jayapal kind of sort of had it down better than her usual talk. I think you should say, yeah, no, we've already had a dialogue. We have already uh, compromised and then some on several bills, including the original Coronavirus Relief Act including uh, the 1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, which we compromised for Joe Manchin. The unemployment, if you remember, in the coronavirus deal in January, that unemployment was went down from $400 a week to $300 a week for Joe, the hijacker Manchin. Um, it, the term of when it would expire was low, was shrunk. So less amount for less less amount of time because of Joe Manchin. So, I mean, the $15 minimum wage, this parliamentarian who also just ruled, which is a joke oh, that, that you can't have. You talk can't, about that a little bit. Yeah, that you can't have. She just ruled again, this unelected, by the way, non-binding position. Her her rules are not binding. It's just advisory. It's insane. It, it, advice is like assholes. Everybody has them. So, um <laughs> Well, and my she, question... she just ruled. She just ruled that uh, the, in the three point five trillion, 
deal, you can't have uh, legal status for undocumented immigrants. Yeah, um, I want to talk more a little bit more about the parliamentarian too, because we haven't yet. Um, but I also my question is, do do these folks does Rokana, uh, Pramila Jayapal, AOC, um, even, you know, going to the Senate, uh, Bernie, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Schumer, do they have a, a PR strategy? Like how closely are they coordinating their their messaging? It has to be somewhat right but to me and i'm just going to be flat whether ro kind of likes it or not the only dialogue you should be having and the only people you should be dialoguing with ro and i would say get all these other people in the van aoc rashida talib ilhan omar uh cory bush get them all in a van or, or whatever you could fit the dialogue <laughs> you should be having is with the people of west virginia get your behinds down yes. to west virginia I mean, you can even use my van. Jordan loves my van. Yeah, I don't understand. That's a real hazard, her van. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand this. I mean, he's not naive. These are all smart people. This continued repeating the same failed strategy of let's have dialogue, or you know, we're willing to come to the table. You've already gone to the table, okay? And they've eaten your lunch. Mm -hmm. So now is the time with public sentiment behind you, just like it was behind you, by the way, with force to vote, go to West Virginia, get in front of rallies, bring Bernie with you and shame this man. Biden, the president of the United States, um, is apparently powerless in front of Joe the hijacker too. Colin, if you could show uh, those quotes I asked you for, um, this is from Bob Woodward's book, Biden called Joe Manchin around 1 p.m. And by the way, this period is during uh, the American Rescue Plan, which was the 1.9 COVID relief bill. Biden called Joe Manchin around 1 p.m. Manchin was in the hideaway yeah, with so his chief of staff. Yeah, January, to be clear, right? Yeah, January. Biden, uh, Manchin was in the hideaway with his chief of staff. I don't know what that means. It must mean up, you know, at a coal company. Uh, Joe, Biden said, you wanted the unemployment smaller. We did that. You wanted certain dates for the supplemental unemployment benefit. We addressed that. You wanted checks targeted. We did that. You know, this is basically it. You need to come along. Continued. Manchin corrected Biden. He said additional unemployment checks, though smaller, went for a longer time into the fall. People would be paid for not working for an extended period. And then he voiced frustration about this new $10,200 tax credit, which he had just learned about. Someone who was not working was going to get an initial tax break while someone who worked would not get it. Yeah, most people weren't working. It was a pandemic, you fucking asshole. Um, Joe Biden said, if you don't come along, you're really fucking me. This is Biden talking to Manchin. If you don't come along, you're really fucking me. If you, I need you on this. Find your way to yes on this. I don't know. I promised Rob Portman, <laughs> the Ohio Republican, uh, vanilla shake, uh, Manchin said. He said he was talking to economists. They were telling him the economy would take off like a rocket, Mr. President. Uh, Mr. President, we need people ready to go back to work no later than July. Mr. President, you have said that we will have vaccines available to all citizens in our country who want it by May. I can't lose this bill, Biden said. His voice was insistent, flecked with irritation. You're going to make me lose my bill, Biden said. This is like a little fucking child. Like, <laughs> don't take my toy away, Joe. Don't take, I'm just the president. Don't take my, don't take my toy. Uh, you have to trust me, Manchin said. You will not. He said his in intention was not to kill the bill, only to get some parts removed. He was with Biden, but he wanted the White House to work with him. Joe, damn it, Biden said impatiently. I just can't lose this bill. Mr. President, Manchin said, in all due respect, you couldn't lose this bill with a keg of dynamite. A whole lot of nitroglycerin wouldn't blow it up. It's got so much good in it. He added, every little municipality is going to get money. They are, for the first time, taking control of their destiny. They could fix their water lines, sewer lines, internet service. We've got a lot of good here, Mr. President. Joe Biden said, don't kill my bill. It was a personal request. Your bill is not going to get killed, Mr. President. I assure you that. Then, then the Manchin stubbornness that the White House feared surfaced. Quote, I'm not going to cave on this, Manchin said. I need something here. You know we have to reach a deal, but don't worry, Mr. President. We'll get this done. 
call ended. Biden told his aides to make sure this gets done. First of all, I want to address a few things here. You remember when MSNBC, CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all the Wall Street uh, corporatists told you, yeah, but Biden's the more pragmatic choice. He actually could get things done. He could get things through. He knows how to work both sides. Are you kidding me? This man is basically in fetal position begging Joe, don't screw me on this. Joe, it's embarrassing, you, man. Joe, you can't take my bill, Joe. You can't take this away from me, Joe. Please don't, Joe. What do I have to do, Joe? Do I need to send you a nice gourmet lunch with coal? I mean, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this is the president. This is the pragmatic choice who can't even muscle Joe f Manchin. Listen. I'm not a fan of Lyndon B. Johnson for a lot of reasons. He didn't talk like this to senators obstructing him. Mm -mm. He threatened them. He knew he how to get something done. Yeah, he threatened them. So I don't understand. And by the way, progressives have basically been acting this way. Maybe we don't have the quotes, but I don't understand. I mean, Joe Joe Biden, I don't know. He's the president. Like, you threaten Joe, Man Joe, if you're not with me on this, I will make you pay for it. You will pay. Either come election time or before that, you're going to pay. I'm the president and you're going to do this for me. Hang up the phone. Why are people walking on eggshells to, to on Joe Manchin? Maybe he would fault if he ever felt any pressure. He doesn't feel any pressure because you got Ro Khanna out there. Well, we're open to a dialogue and you have Joe, President Biden. Oh, please don't screw me, Mr. Manchin. Please don't screw me, King Manchin. It's pathetic. So why I, uh, and Jen, I think you sent me this, so shout out to you for finding it. I mean, honestly, the strategy is not working, okay? So being diplomatic with Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, and catering to their needs, which their only need is to strip, that's their main need, strip the climate proposals, uh, strip the climate proposals out of any deal. The intercepted a story, I think two weeks ago, they found that Joe Manchin has made $4.5 million from the coal companies he founded while he's been a senator. So in 10 years, as he's been a senator, he's made $4.5 million from those coal companies that I believe his son is still running. And he's made another between one and $5 million in stock options from those coal companies. So when when Joe Manchin, when Ro Khanna says, well, I don't know what he wants. He doesn't say what he's for. Follow the money. It's clear what he's for mm -hmm. and what he, why he's not for what you want. So I don't know, Jen, call me radical, but I think it would be a better idea. And you could go on democracy now if you want. Go to West Virginia with the band, with the gang. You'll sell out in no time. Every county in West Virginia voted for Bernie in the 2016 primary. Let's not forget that. And shame this man with facts and data. Let him double down. Let him double down. I don't think he's going to double down with that kind of pressure. Sure, the media will call you terrorists. The media will say you're divisive. Who cares? They're going to attack you regardless. But when it comes down to it, there's a difference between cutting down to $3 trillion, which is still a shit ton of money, mm -hmm. and what Manchin wants, which is like $1 trillion, $1.5 trillion. No. Well, and by the way, this is over 10 years. So this isn't right. Uh, right now, uh, which is something that I think they need to do a better job of explaining to the people. Um, I don't know. And Jordan, we've talked about this offline, too, because we're very boring people. Jen, why do you follow my rants with nuance? I don't like it. <laughs> uh, your your rants get me get my brain turning. That's all I can say. Um, but we've talked about because uh, I've said, like, why do why do Democrats progressives in, in air quotes uh, capitulate to Joe Manchin all the time? Um, uh, Kirsten Cinema too, but Joe Manchin um, mainly. And you were like, well, of course, like they need, the, they need the votes. Um, but I, 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 I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like they could do a better job of, um, again, going back to PR. I think they could have a better PR strategy, like in the background against Joe Manchin and, and uh, come I just out. Get, I just gave you the strategy, not in the background. Get the fuck to West Virginia. That's the strategy. Yeah, but what I'm saying, like I'm saying there, so I, I guess we're at the same conclusion. Like there are no more excuses at this point is, is my yeah. conclusion. And I want to talk a little bit more about the Senate parliamentarian because it is so insane 
Uh, Ryan Grimm had a great breakdown of this today, actually, about the Senate parliamentarian. Um, it's I, I'm curious your take, Jordan. Like, obviously, it's crazy. The Senate parliamentarian is not a real barrier. This is not a real issue. Uh, but she is acting like um, she has authority over Congress, over the Senate, and that she's like this ruling, like a Supreme Courtish, Supreme Courtish type figure. And they do kind of bow down to her, but she could be easily overruled or removed, and it wouldn't take much. And they're not doing that. They didn't do that in February. There, there are no signs of them doing that now. I'm curious if that is like their excuse. I think it probably is of, oh, we failed, but it's because of this parliamentarian, which by the way, had anyone ever like, had the parliamentarian ever made news like this before? No. So there's a reason for that. There's no way to know what the real lead levels are because they cooked the testing, which we proved. Nobody has ever challenged our reporting on it. In fact, the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat, on tape, in a video, in an interview, publicly like acknowledged that the testing was done wrong. Yet all these other outlets somehow frame things as X amount of other cities have worse lead levels than Flint, which A, I don't know what, why are you comparing it? Like it's not a contest. Right. It's mm -hmm. that's kind of like minimizing Flint's levels and B. Yeah. It's like more children are dying here than are dying there. Like, right. okay. But B, there are children right now in Flint and adults. Most of them still don't drink the water, but those who can't afford bottled water are drinking that water and we don't know what's in it. And that's the truth. We do not mm -hmm. know what's in it. The test, the ongoing testing done by the city of Flint, uh, based on the people we know there, isn't worth the paper it's written on. It's an extremely low sample size. Um, I don't even know how they're testing. They might be flushing too. And uh, it's, again, it's a very small sample size of homes. Well, even, so even with this uh, testing and the so-called declarations, Colin, if you can pop up the article that I just sent you, this is from two weeks ago, guys. Five properties in Flint recently test above federal action levels for lead and copper. Um, so five properties in the city of Flint recently tested well above the federal action level for lead and copper levels in water. Those properties include two homes, two businesses, and a church. So a church along Chevrolet Avenue recently tested just shy of 3,500 parts per billion for lead and 5,250 parts per billion for copper. Um, so that is just, uh, I don't need to read this whole thing because we do have a lot to get to, but that is just a very small sample size of what's still happening in Flint. That is enormous. At the time of the Flint water crisis, um, uh, it was 15 parts per billion that was like the so-called limit. And, uh, but actually for health, the limit of lead is zero. So to have in the thousands uh, parts per billion of lead is obscene. This crisis is not over. Then you have this Washington Post story. Flint has replaced over 10,000 lead pipes. Earning back trust is proving harder. So right there, before we even get to the story, Jen, that's inaccurate. It's out mm -hmm. of context. As we've said, mm -hmm. they're only chasing, changing one set of pipes. One of as the three. There are three. As Harold Harrington, who's part of this story, he's a union plumber. Uh, has won awards. I've spoken to them many times. Mm -hmm. They're not, they didn't change the galvanized pipes, which have lead. Uh, they're only changing the service lines from the curb into the house. So not the busted, toxic, corroded pipes underneath the street, not people's toxic, corroded pipes inside their home. It's like Jesus could bless the water and send it through the brand new service lines. But if it gets into your house and your pipes in your house are still corroding, you're still going to get lead. I mean, this is not complicated, but from the beginning, the state of Michigan, who did not want to pay for this, they were kicked. Mm. Snyder was kicking and screaming to not pay for these service lines. The only reason the state had to pay for the service lines is because of a massive civil lawsuit by Flint residents, pastors, the ACLU, uh, to get the state to pay for those new pipes. Um, 
they don't they all the state also won't change the interior plumbing because they say that's on that's the resident's responsibility mm. well the resident didn't poison the water pipes oh. inside their home so, so infuriating already the washington post democracy dies in darkness is wrong now this once poisoned city is on the brink of a milestone a lead water pipe removal program established under a 2017 court order issued as part of a massive lawsuit on behalf of Flint residents is inching towards the close. Block by block, house by house, the city and its contractors have excavated and checked more than 27,000 pipes to determine what hidden, hidden risks remain under the ground. The effort has led the city to replace more than 10,000 lead pipes so far, officials say. So it's not like that's a bad thing. That's a good thing. But this is very much like Bush mission accomplished and basically hoping you guys don't understand plumbing or even care to look just assume, Oh, they got rid. They changed these pipes. All good. Everything's fine. Uh, if I get the opportunity to leave, I'm leaving said Tyus, a homeowner who moved back to Flint in 2014 from Texas. What a time to move back to Flint. Mm. Um, that was the year they switched the water and all this started a retired medical receptionist and one of the plaintiffs in a class action lawsuit over the water failures Tyus said she suffered hair loss, hair loss, she believed, was a result of showering in the contaminated Flint water. That's another framing she believes was, she believes it was a result of showering in the contaminated water. Well, what do you think it was, Washington Post? You think thousands of people in Flint were losing their hair because, I don't know, drought? <laughs> she has found the pipe replacement program to be complicated and confusing. She recalls that yeah. crews came to dig in front of her home nearly two years ago, but she said they put in only what looked to be a connector on her line. She didn't see anything replaced or removed and has struggled to understand how to make sure she has no lead line still running to her home. Ty, mm. Ty, this is a key part. Tyus said she still notices what appears to be mineral deposits coming from her water. She goes to her daughter's home in the suburbs to shower and relies on bottled and filtered water for drinking and cooking. So, Washington Post story, Jen. Everything's dandy. It's just a trust mm. issue. This woman's talking about mineral deposits in her home. Oh, by the way, my fault. I should have sent it to you, Colin, to play. We recently did a video in Flint. I mean, we had, I don't know, what was it, 10, 10 to 15 people yeah. for an interview? And a lot of that them were still old. showing their active rashes they were getting from the water, losing hair still from the water. Like, these are residents living there now with rashes, still losing hair. Why I urge post? everybody to watch that. It was incredibly impactful, yeah. um, especially what? if you've been watching for years because a lot of these people you've maybe seen on our streams, in particular Jordan's work, even back from TYT, and you can see the decline in health. So I guess the Washington Post, you know, just little old us just goes there and reaches out to residents, get them together in one place, and you find all sorts of things to show you the water's just not fine. But the Washington well, Post... Talks to a couple people and pushes framing that mission accomplished. It's just a trust issue. Well, and they're also missing uh, some additional points. And it, like uh, along with us saying only only in some homes, not even all homes, have uh, have service lines been replaced, but not mains and not in home plumbing. But also, there have been several scandals that have basically not made a splash at all. Um, there was a, a company that was found to be dumping industrial waste into the Flint River during, you know, in 2014. And this was only, you know, breaking news as of uh, 2020, I believe. Um, and the, the EPA actually just won an award for looking into this. Great job, guys. That was 2014. This is 2021 now. That was 2020. Uh, great job. So that was the water, uh, the the improperly treated water that Flint residents were drinking had uh, dumping of industrial waste in it. Uh, the today and and Jordan interviewed the former um, most recent mayor of Flint, Karen Weaver, and she speaks about um, the mains breaking constantly. There are constant main breaks. Uh, there was a story the other day: sewage is seeping out like crazy and this happened uh, a bit ago but it has only just been publicized um also in jordan you're working more on uh, some of the background of this but they're switching the water again 
Um, so it's, there's a lot to this and I am horrified by the Washington Post framing. Neely works as a data collector for Flint Registry, a project that connects people to city services and other health and wellness programs and works to understand how the water crisis has affected the community. A father of two whose younger daughter was born during the disaster, he still relies on bottled water, even though he recently had his own water service line replaced. Neely has refused to pay his water bill since 2015, arguing that he can't rely on the water from his tap. Good for you. Neely said he is among the residents who would like to see the city help with the secondary problems that tainted water costs in homes, such as damage to appliances and internal pipes. Hmm. Quote, more people are concerned about getting their pipes inside the home replaced. Quote, their pipes were destroyed by a city problem, but now the responsibility to fix it is on the residents, which is totally unfair. Colin, go back to the headline. Hmm. Flint hmm. has replaced over 10,000 lead pipes, but trust needs to come back. Oh meaning, my God, meaning, I'm so mad. Meaning the water's fine. The infrastructure's fine. Everything's being replaced. Meanwhile, the Washington Post's own story is quoting residents who's, I have mineral deposits in my water. I need to go to my daughter's home in the suburbs to take a shower. Another younger guy, 28, is making the point, Jen, myself, and the last mayor of Flint, and any fucking engineer who's not bought <laughs> off would make yeah, no, mm -hmm. just changing the lead service lines is not enough. You need yeah. to you need to replace people's damaged interior plumbing, which they don't want to do because it would cost. I mean, you're talking a lot of money to change interior plumbing, possibly in, in, a lot of money. You're talking hundreds of possibly. I don't even know. Tens of millions, maybe more than that. So. It's the residents, you know, can't the Washington Post with their resources reach out to a plumber or an engineer and be like, hey, they're telling us which we changed the lead service pipe, so everything's good. But is there anything more to it? Because they would tell you no. So Facebook, as you guys are well aware, is uh, a real, a real um, powerhouse of corruption. And in particular, they seem to like to push right wing BS. Uh, ben Shapiro regularly appears in, in the top most posts all the, you know, all the time. So Trumpers and folks railing against the so-called like liberal bias are completely and absolutely incorrect. Um, but apart from Facebook itself being corrupt, there's a lot of fake, fakeness out there, um, astroturfing. Um networks designed to lead people astray. So this is out of Technology Review um, by Karen Howe, I guess you say her name. So troll farms reached 140 million Americans a month on Facebook before the 2020 election. Um, and to be clear, my point in this is, is not just to be like, oh, you know, Russiagate impacted the 2016 election or the 2020 election, whatever. No. What I um, mean to show with, with what they're reporting here is that this is a real issue that I think everybody around the world needs to be aware of, that those you're following are not necessarily real um, and are not necessarily, you know, aligned with your interests. If you can pull oh. that back up. Oh, I thought you were done. Yeah, go ahead. Um, on the eve of the 2020 election, the most highly contested in U.S. history, Facebook's most popular pages for Christian and Black American content were being run by Eastern European troll farms. These pages were part of a larger network that collectively reached nearly half of all Americans. Half of all Americans, according to an internal company report and achieve that reach not through user choice, but primarily as a result of Facebook's own platform design and engagement-hungry algorithm. Uh, the company's AI algorithms give it an insatiable habit for lies and hate speech. Now the man who built them can't fix the problem. The report, written in October 2019 and obtained by MIT Technology Review, from a former Facebook employee not involved in researching it, found that after the 2016 election, Facebook failed to prioritize fundamental changes to how its platform promotes and distributes information. Um, continue on, Colin, if you can. 
because I don't have it pulled up. I'm just reading it from here. Uh, this approach did little to stem the underlying problem. Troll farms were still building massive audiences by running networks of Facebook pages with their content reaching 140 million US users per month, 75% of whom had never followed any of the pages. They were seeing the content because Facebook's content recommendation system had pushed it into their news feeds. Uh, scroll down, please, Colin. Let's see. Um, so of course, Facebook is, is making uh, excuses. Go ahead and scroll down. Um, they show examples in this report, so I urge everybody to find it. Uh, the report found that troll farms were reaching the same demographic group singled out by the Kremlin-backed Internet Research Agency during the 2016 election, which, whatever, um, which had targeted Christians, Black Americans, and Native Americans. A 2018 BuzzFeed News investigation found that at least one member of the Russian IRA um, had also visited Macedonia, uh, around the emergence of the first troll farms. Go ahead and scroll down. Um, scroll down. Um, Alan wrote the report as the fourth and final installment of a year and a half long effort to understand troll farms. Uh, the report reveals the alarming state of affairs in which Facebook leadership left the platform for years despite repeated public promises. So let's look at the revelations. As of October 2019, around 15,000 Facebook pages with a majority U.S. audience were being run out of Kosovo and Macedonia, known bad actors during the 2016 election. Collectively, these troll farm pages, which the report treats as a single page for comparison purposes, reach 140 million U.S. users monthly and 360 million global users weekly. Walmart's page reached the second largest U.S. audience at 100 million. The troll farm pages also combined to form the largest Christian American page on Facebook, 20 times larger than the next largest, reaching 75 million US users monthly. Um, uh, the largest African American page on Facebook, three times larger than the next largest. Um, the second largest Native American page on Facebook, reaching 400,000 users monthly. Uh, the fifth largest women's page on Facebook reaching 60 million US users monthly. Troll farms primarily affect the US. So uh, you guys can, can read the full report. That's again in technology review. My kind of takeaway from this is not to, you know, relitigate Russiagate 2016 or, or anything like that. It has always been extraordinarily clear, especially if you study the history of propaganda, especially uh, between different countries, especially the countries who um, are not our allies. Uh, this is what happens. We, of course, <laughs> do the same to them. Um, my point is that we all need to be extraordinarily aware of who we follow and what we pay attention to because it's so easy for those who study best practices in social media, best practices in psychological manipulation, um, NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, et cetera, to sway folks and to put information out there that is not in your best interest. Um, and Facebook, you know, of course has a responsibility for this. I think Facebook should be publicly you know, handled. I don't know what your take is, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this goes well beyond the, 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 you know, dangerous Russian trolls. I mean, you had these troll farms and stuff during Bernie Hillary. I mean, David Brock, mm -hmm. Democratic Party had their army of trolls. Frankly, I think Mira Tandon, uh, back in her day of, you know, mean girl tweeting, uh, she had a troll farm that she was dispatching. I think there are other uh, Democratic Party operatives that have troll farms to, to prop them up. Uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, corporations have troll farms. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, the truth is you don't know really who's tweeting or who they are or what they are. I look, I look sometimes and I'm in a fight with someone on Twitter and I look and it's like, the account was recently made. It has like five followers. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, shit. You're like, oh, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not legit. So, yeah. I want to address this I, before I, you... I, th I think some people would look at what you're saying and be like, oh, stop fear mongering. You're rushing getting. 
No, I mean, we've been pretty clear that Russiagate is bullshit, but that doesn't mean that there's not like a shadow internet. Russiagate is bullshit because of course they did that. Of course they tried to to sway people to Trump. Uh, Of course they tried to, to F with our elections. They do all the time, every year since Russia started <laughs> and we do the same to them. Yep. So. Um, I wanted to address uh, this comment here, banning speech regardless of trolls seems dangerous. Um, what is dangerous is allowing, you saw the numbers, right? You saw that half of Americans are exposed to this, are exposed to outright lies and propaganda. So what then do we do? Do we put that in the box of like, censorship that we would apply to uh like well-meaning citizens no i don't think we do um it's these are literal farms astroturfing like propaganda networks set up to to lie and mislead it's very dangerous um and there's a reason that it works so well and we need to put a stop to it uh, if you think of things in terms of we're progressives, right? So we believe in not me, us. We believe in doing the most good. We believe in helping people. So why would we want people to, why would we want half of Americans to be reading outright lies and propaganda? Um, and of course, these trolls do hit on points that are correct. They do hit on the oligarchy. They do hit on racist police. Uh, in, in terms of like African American, fake African American pages, um, Black American pages. Um, and that's the danger. I, I do, I'm heavily into studying the history of propaganda, um, psychology, et cetera. I do encourage folks to kind of dig into that area to see what's going on. I do encourage you, if you weren't paying attention during 2016, do look into what Hillary Clinton did with David Brock. Um, it's disgusting, it's horrifying. Um, so in, in thinking of your kind of take on this issue, think about if you think what Hillary Clinton did with David Brock is okay. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. I mean, it should be a consistent basis, not like, oh, well, you know, some troll farms we don't care about because, you know, it's it's our narrative. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I completely agree. Sure. And it's only going to get worse. I mean... Yeah. Uh, with the advent of, you know, more and more digital media and um, cyber warfare and, you know, you name it. Definitely look who it is you're following. 